Hi, and welcome to the IFHP Executive Podcast Series. I'm Chris Watney, CEO of the International Federation of Health Plans. In our series of podcasts, we're speaking with senior executives in leading health insurance businesses about the challenges and opportunities they face right now, what the future might hold for them and their businesses, and we also want to find out what makes them tick as leaders. In today's podcast, I'm with Dr. Thilo Schumacher, board member of AXA Germany and responsible for AXA's health insurance business. Thilo, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Good to speak with you today. Now, of course, most people will be familiar with AXA and its health insurance businesses around the world. However, I wonder if you could just give us a 30-second overview of your business in Germany. Yeah. You know, we as AXA, we're very proud that we're probably the health insurer globally with the largest footprint, not number of uh, insured, of course. There are a lot of of the US players much bigger than we are, but uh, we have health operation more than 20 countries. And this, you know, always helps when you need to to find somebody who knows something about another market, you know, you can just call your colleague. And in Germany, I mean, the, the German business is uh, quite large for German, uh, you know, relations. So we have about 3.3 billion uh, revenues. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, Germany is, uh, is a market where we have full cover, real full cover insurance, but are supplementary. So 10% of the German market is private health insured yeah. and 90% is uh, public. Mm-hmm. And we do offer both, and our portfolio consists about 800,000 each, roughly. Yeah. Well, look, I had a bit of time with AXA um, quite a long time ago, even as far away as New Zealand. Um, and uh, I think we were even in touch with some of your colleagues even back then. Um, so it truly is a very, um, obviously, a multinational business. Now, but you've led the health insurance business for AXA in Germany since 2015. What have you focused on over that time? What was your plan for the business? And, and how successful would you say you've been in achieving those goals? That different things what you do. I mean, if you work for a health insurer, it's always clear that you know you have to to keep your balance sheet clean. And the, the German uh, private health insurance business is very special um, because we have agent reserves. So this means that uh, um, normally we we take a significant part of the premium what we get from our customers, what we have put into our agent reserves. And currently we have roughly twenty million agent reserves. And the relation to 3.3 billion revenues, which is, of course, a lot. So this means the combination between life insurance and health insurance. And uh, so the uh, low interest rate environment has hit us hard. And uh, we had to find some way out. And of course, we had to increase the premium, what we charge to our customers, which is always hard to explain. Because they say, okay, why do we have to pay more only because the interest rate goes down? But the issue is that when you get older, of course, you know, the, the claims, what you will probably generate will be higher. That's why that's, uh, that's important. And this is one thing what I did to really make sure that, you know, we manage the low interest rate environment, but at the same time balance the premium adjustment. And the second thing is, you know, in Germany, we have more than 40 private health insurers and the, the total market size is about 10 billion. We have more than 100 public health insurers. I mean, this is a very strict regime, but nevertheless, you know, yeah. there are different entities. And I, I'm a big supporter of any kind of corporations because, you know, at the end, we need to make sure that health is sustainable finance and, you know, that we can afford that. And if you think about the um, inflation rate, what we have on the health side, yeah. I mean, this is normally at least 2% higher than normal inflation rate. And if you just go continue that for, let's say, ne- the next 30 or, or 50 years even, this is a big, big issue. And you see that in some countries and some states in the US already, 
how significant this impacts mm. um, the, the state and what he can finance. And we have started several joint ventures, even with our largest competitor, to say, okay, let's do things together, build a portal together, provide digital invoicing processes, mm. offer you know online doctor services and all these things, do that together because we don't compete for ill patients. Mm. We compete you know, for young ones, what everybody wants to have. So there we're in competition. But when we talk about uh, delivery of health service, delivery of healthcare, I think we have to collaborate and do that much, much more. So we just at the beginning, I'm still not satisfied where we are, but this is what I've started with right at the beginning, say, do that. Yeah. And uh, I think we did a first step, but we have to do much more steps in the future. Yeah. And and are you seeing our exposure to cancer, for example, and some of the costs that are coming through there? You know, cancer is, of course, a big thing. I mean, if you think what's possible, if you talk about personal medicine, that's, you know, I mean, it's a gift, okay? Um, on the other hand, if, if you have a look at the, the prices and the costs, what we pay for that, it just goes to the roof. And uh, I think what we have to make sure is that we can afford all these high cost cases by leveraging, improving, you know, let's say, the, the general uh, delivery of healthcare. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everything which is regarding personal medicine is something which, I have some some doubts how long we can continue, you know, to really afford this. We have to somewhat, but I think we need to find other ways to do that. And probably also some kind of support from, from the pharmaceutical industry that they understand that the end needs to be affordable. Yeah. And I'm sure an organization of, of the scale of AXA, do you cooperate with other parts of the organization, other parts of the business to try to have a kind of a joint strategy for taking on things like big big pharma in in, in this way? To be honest, we tried that several times, but it's very difficult because mm. the, the reason is that normally, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, they work very local. So they, they of course, R&D is global. And then, you know, the delivery and the prices are very local. Mm. This is what, what, what we provide. And you, you do that with your team, you know, the kind of list of different prices country by country that we can compare it to comparison of prices. Um, and we see huge differences. Mm. That's why we're more on the side to cooperate with others, health insurers, to try and have, a, let's say, a, a stronger bargaining power or, let's say, negotiation, you know, impact yeah. when we yeah. talk to, uh, to pharma industries. But the, the, our clear focus is more to talk with them and, you know, for example, to push uh, generics. And in Germany, the private health insurance space, the majority is still not managing it. But this is a big, big lever to reduce, you know, the cost. I mean, we save a two-digit million euro number every year just by yeah. steering that. And maybe just one comment on the COVID-19. So then there's some interesting things. For example, it's a little fun thing. Um, what we've seen right at the beginning of the first lockdown was in April, May in Germany. The cost for dental care for children went up. Okay. And the main reason is that what we thought is, you know, now the children at home and then the parents were at home too. So they went to dentists, you know, to, to, to correct the teeth and all that stuff. So this went up the first thing. Of course, let's say some others, you know, going hospital costs went down, but this went up. And of course, mental health was a big issue, yeah. still a big one. And we see that this will probably have an impact for the next year's uh, yeah. again. And, and, and keeping on that sort of COVID theme, are you doing anything to keep your business healthy? Anything specific that you're doing in there? You know, the first focus was, of course, you know, to keep the business running, you know, um, and we have invested a lot in our IT infrastructure so we could easily send all our employee home 
yeah. and that they can work from home. Um, we had good accesses to our system, so this works well. And the second thing is then also to provide guidance to our customers and, and you know, when they had a question as patients. Mm -hmm. So like 24-7 online doctor service, all these kind of things. But, you know, in Germany, normally it's not an issue that you to find an appointment at the doctor's office. So the German system on that works quite well. So if you have an issue, you find the doctors very, very easily, independent whether you're private or public health insurance. Um, and so I guess stepping away from COVID for a, for a moment, what would you define as the biggest challenges facing leaders in our industry today? You know, I think the major issue is you not know, to differentiate between the interests of our company and the interest of our society. Because, you know, we have to play two roles when we have an impact of health cost and deliver healthcare. Because healthcare or health is what is at the heart of the right of human beings. That's what I think. Yeah. And when I can influence that, when I have the power and the potential to do that, and, the, and at the health insurer, at the payer, we pay for that. We have, we have some, some, some impact on it. We need to play these two roles. Mm. This is one thing. And this is, I think, every leader in the position like I have, we should be proud of what we have achieved, maybe, but we have an obligation. Mm. And we have to fulfill that. The obligation is also to play a role in society. The second thing is, you know, how can we make sure that healthcare remains affordable? What can we do, you know, to take out slack of the system? Waste, fraud, and abuse is mm -hmm. a big, big issue. So there are several studies. So you can take a number, something between, let's say, 8 and 15% is probably the number, which you have in a more, let's say, in the first world market. And in some others, it's even higher. How can we, you know, make sure that this is reduced? Yeah. And you know, the cost savings is to the benefit of our customers. Yeah. So these are the two things I see very global. And then, of course, it's kind of cooperation, the cessation, the other things, what you do. But if you have that in your mind, then probably this describes a lot of the challenge what we have. Yeah. As, yeah. as a leader, as a person. Okay. Not Absolutely. As a company things are a little bit different. Yeah, uh, but I also know that you're very interested in innovation and in, within yeah. within business, uh, and not least through your your involvement with the AXA Innovation Campus. But what successes have you seen from that and similar initiatives where you've really been promoting innovation within within your business? Yeah, you know, when I just launched of the AXA Innovation Campus or when when you had the foundation, the idea was you know to bring external input to organization to improve you know the degree of innovation what we provide. We are an insurer, and insurer are not the most innovative place to be in the world normally. Mm -hmm. And I think innovation has a strong correlation to openness and to see what others do and to accept that some others do things much better than you do. And so and I said, instead of you know trying to innovate, innovate inside out, I want to do it outside in. So that was the main purpose. And also to say, where should we invest? We invest in startups, but always in startup with a connection to our business. Mm -hmm. um, so this, I think, was a kind of a sign, was a good, good impact. But what I've learned then is, you know, when you do that, a lot of startups come to you and offer you something. And at the beginning, you know, I was so excited. Oh, gosh, there's a new fintech and medtech. What can we do with that? And I made the major mistake was, you know, having a solution first and looking for the problem. And I think what's very important, because there's so many interesting things outside, we as a leader must be very focused to say, what's the problem we want to solve? And then look for a solution for this specific problem. If you see something very, very exciting, you might think whether you have 
overseen issue what you want to mm-hmm. solve. Yep. But yep. not try, you know, to have a solution looking for the problem. And that's why now I'm I'm always pushing back, say, okay, yeah. if somebody comes to me, this is a great startup. I had a discussion this morning, you know, with my colleagues in Paris. I said, look, what what's the issue you want to solve with that? If you explain me the issue, I've understood it, okay, let's talk with, with this company. If you don't have an issue the company can solve, we say, if you're a great company, you might be a potential partner in the future, we let, let you know uh, when we have interest and you go and, and you send them back. Because otherwise, you know, you lose time, energy and resources, which you should better invest in other things to improve the delivery of healthcare yeah. and the affordable, affordability for our members and our mm-hmm. customers. Absolutely. We ran a webinar uh, on this topic last week, and that was the big message that came out of all of this was, you know, stop looking at these amazing, shiny things, but actually think about what are you trying to really solve for your business and for your customers? Now, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And actually, um, you know, I know that you started your career, Tilo, at McKinsey and Company, and I think you had a specialty area of insurance. And I'm just really curious, do you find yourself, your current self, listening to any of your old self's advice? You know, I've left McKinsey 2006, so 15 years is a long time. Oh, okay. Of course, I've served AXA at that time. So sometimes I still find things advised at that time. And some of the decisions I think were good, so I would probably do that again. Sometimes when you're a management consultant, you have never the responsibility at the end for the outcome. You know, mm-hmm. you're just advisor. You know, looking back, I mean, I was much younger than I am today. I, I, I think, okay, maybe I was a little bit naive. And this is my, always my advice. Ask somebody, get advice, that's great. But always be cautious that at the end, you as the leader are responsible for the results. So, and the advisors, you know, advice, and they say, yeah, you have to do this and this and that. Okay, in the theory, this might be the case, but theory, you know, hits reality. This is where we, where yeah. our, you know, role comes into play. And we have to, to decide what we do. Yeah. Um, so, yes, some parts, but it's more on the PNC side because I worked more on the PNC side and on the health uh, okay. side at that time. Mm. On the piece, a little bit on the health side, not. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, the, the other way I was going to ask that question was actually, did you uh, know as much as you thought you did? <laughs> Have you learned? The answer is no. <laughs> this one is, when I talk about, you know, I was naive. So yeah, yeah. when you're young and you've learned and read a lot, to say, okay, you understand that. Of but course. I always say, you know, experience is a functionality of time. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you know, the kind of experience what we made, and you know, you you share that you worked in different places around mm. the world. I mean. This always helps, you know, to calibrate your decision making much better and you get an understanding, a better feeling. Is it really relevant? Yeah. Or is it just only kind of just nice and shiny? Yeah. Um, and, you know, looking back, sometimes I can, you know, laugh about myself that I thought I really understood it. But, you know, now I know I did not. Um, I, I want to ask you though about this really exciting announcement that uh, was made just a couple of weeks ago between AXA and Microsoft, yeah. where you were talking about uh, creating the next generation standard of health and well-being services. And I've heard that Germany is one of the test markets for the program. Yeah. I'm just wondering, what, what can we expect from the new partnership? This is a question I get quite often. Say, okay, is it that you build a new service? And the answer is normally no. But why do you do that? Because I think... The major shortcoming around the world is the infrastructure. So, you know, my my the, the picture I love the most is patient there, image not there. So we do a next image. What was the reason for a second image? I need that. Okay. If it's already there, there's only cost and harm. Okay. So there's no reason to do a second image. 
But we have to do that. Second problem is, if you think about a hospital, how much paperwork in the, no, in, I mean, in normal hospital is still ongoing, at, at least, you know, in, in Europe. This is crazy. And how can we improve that? And how can we support that our medical staff can concentrate on things, you know, they want to do? I mean, they want to help people. They want to heal people. They want to save lives. They, want to, they don't want to write a letter. They want yeah. to send things around. And, you know, we have reached maybe the last 18 months, a situation where the standardization of, of health data has made the next step. So fire, I mean, we use fire, of course, has not reached where we have that to be uh-huh. because it's still not advanced. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? But, you know, we have a basis and we have an agreement that all major players say, okay, we use fire as a standard. And what we want to do is to, you know, to build an infrastructure where the different users can, or, you know, company like, like Axel, but uh, ourselves, that we can plug our service on that platform and then data went through the platform. And this is what we have done on, on, on the pilot side in Italy, for example, and in Germany, that if you use a symptom check and then you see your doctor, you can take that self-diagnosis to, to the doctor. Why should the doctor ask exactly the same question mm. or maybe that questions and then not that sophisticated again? What's the reason? To hear his voice? Probably not. It's, you know, we need to, to save time, you know, energy, and that the doctor has the chance to focus on what's really the issue and has the time to explain because you know how important it is to explain a patient what he has, what he should do. To mm. convince him that he better comply. Yeah. And if he spent the time for the diagnosis, he has not the time for the, 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 uh, the explanation of the treatment. Mm-hmm. So this is the things what we do. It's a global approach. It's an open platform. We ask others to, to join that, to use that. It's not the main reason that we want to rule the world and to own it. It's, it's more the step that together with Microsoft, we want to show that it makes sense to open it up. And you know what we share is the same vision, Microsoft and AXA, that you know we want to build a global platform up to all to competitors, you know, to pharma companies, to medtech companies, whoever wants to join it and to use that. Of course, you know we never know whether it would be successful. And uh, what we've always said is we just tell it the market when we can prove that something is ongoing. Other initiatives around the world always said we want to do things. Yeah, we can say. We did already things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and show it to you. And I have, you know, the honor to run that program globally. And it's really interesting to see what, when you have a look, let's say, to Asian markets and, you know, to other European markets, Mm -hmm. every market is different. Mm -hmm. Every adaptation is really different. But, you know, we talked about cancer. Cancer is cancer around the world. And, you know, the availability of data at the point of treatment is relevant for every country, yeah. for every market, independent when we talk about New Zealand, you know, or when we talk about uh, Germany or not any other place in the world. Yeah, 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 that's right. Well, it's very exciting. And we're all looking forward to uh, seeing how that develops over the years. So I, I applaud you for it. And look, we're almost out of time, but I just wanted to quickly just ask one last question. And that really is, uh, Tilo, kind of as a senior leader in, in the industry, what keeps you coming back for more? Um, and where do you draw your inspiration from as a leader in healthcare? You know, I, I'm a person who is much driven by person person relationships. So I like you know, to talk to people, you know, to share thoughts, then to decide that's wrong, go another direction. And like when we're sitting in the management council and, you know, with the COVID times, we had no chance to sit together, which is really a pity. Hmm. You talk 
to them. And then we, we, we make phone calls and these kind of things are really exciting. And, and you get other people with this, a similar, in a similar situation and they help you and you help them. I think inspiration comes via discussion. That's one thing. Um, the second thing is, you know, um, to read a lot, you know, to mm -hmm. absorb a lot of information flying around, which is getting more and more difficult because there's too much ongoing. That's why it's important to have somebody who helps you or some institution help you really to narrow it down, to focus what's really relevant. And the reason why I get up in the morning is that in our jobs, we have the chance to save lives, to make mm -hmm. life better. And this is great. You know, and sometimes I get letters and emails from customers who say okay thank you thank you axa thank you tito thank you whoever mm. within axa you saved my life and uh, i had the situation that i had the opportunity to help uh, a, a health person to get you know the access to a, a famous doctor very quickly and he said to me he said thank you thank you thank you I said, 30 times yeah. uh, you know you saved our lives, the life of our family, you know, wow. to help, you know, which uh, children was ill. Yeah. If, you, if you read that, you know, that's so heartwarming. Oh, yeah. You know, this is why I get up in the morning and probably the same thing, all of the health leaders will get that. Yeah. There's nothing better in the world. Oh, that's fantastic. Tilo, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you.